Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. We're at the convention. We found the quietest place we possibly could, and it's still a little weird. And it's a little weird, so we may sound a little off because we're doing a a special introduction uh, today for Equinox because we happen to be together while we're recording this at the Star Trek convention. So that's why we may sound a little bit different, but welcome to Beginning the Trek, everybody. Yes, I'm Jessica Ray, the newbie watching all this stuff for the first time. and... And I am Andy Goldberg. I am the Trek veteran. And I built the trek for Jessica to watch for the first time. And all of us. And all of you. To all the new people. I haven't met very many people who are new out here, but I did run into at least one. Uh, Amazing. You can just go up to people and talk to them. It's seriously like, who's your captain? Or what are you wearing? It's it's everything. What's your favorite episode? What's the one thing you like? Anyway, we will do all of that and so much more on the the convention one. Right, we'll be doing that next week. Right. But this week, actually, but if this is your first time with us on Beginning the Track, we suggest that you go all the way back to the beginning and start with episode one and take your track right along with Jessica. Because but it's more fun that way. Because it's more fun that way. <laughs> and this is the end of Voyager, so don't start with this one. Right, this is not, not a good one to start with. Go back but to it was 45. a really good one. Oh, it's, yeah, it's huge. Great it's like the, it's the epic, epic of epicness. It is. Right? So, uh, and, and that is today. So, for those of you that are joining us for your 45th time, uh, it's Star Trek Voyager's Equinox, episodes one and two. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, spoil it. I have my 20 sentences all ready to go. So I'm just going to go ahead and do that. So we're going to spoil this in 20 sentences. I'm going to spoil Equinox for you. So here we go. You ready? Okay. A Federation starship that is definitely not Voyager is under attack, and chaos reigns supreme as this unfamiliar Starfleet crew fend off strange, angry, flying aliens, and we cut to the credits. Voyager has received a distress call from Captain Ransom of the Federation starship Equinox, and they begin the search to find them. We find them in short order, and upon contact with them, Ransom demands Voyager extend the shields around both ships, and just before we do, spatial fissures begin to open on Voyager. Once the shields are up, the fissures close, and we beam over to the Equinox and discover a badly damaged ship and very injured crew. The Equinox met the caretaker, just like Voyager, and had to begin their journey home as well. But at a maximum of warp 8, how did they manage to get this far this fast? A reunion of sorts as a smarmy officer, Max, and B'Elanna recognize each other from the Academy, reminisce about the good old days until Thomas Eugene Paris asks about BLT's nickname and, well, B'Elanna may have a type. As Janeway takes charge, protocol and all, the captains discuss their journeys and talk prime directive, but saying that they only bent it and not broke it. Perhaps one of them being a little less honest. Or perhaps both of them. Studying the fissures, we are still under attack, and Ransom's number one, Max, explains that experiments that they've been doing to study the aliens is uh, available, but the equipment's been irradiated and can't be accessed on the ship. Big reveal. Ransom thinks Janeway won't understand what they've been up to, and the music and demeanor of he and Max is foreboding and dramatic, so yeah, Jessica's prediction was right on the money. 
Janeway sends the doctor over since radiation won't harm him, and guess what? There is no radiation, and some pretty nefarious stuff is going on. So we discover Ransom has been using the dead carcasses of these aliens as some sort of super fuel, and that they've been using them to leap across the Delta Quadrant. Oh, remember the doctor being over at the Equinox? Well, his counterpart is also over there, and he steals our Doc Jekyll's mobile emitter, and apparently his ethical subroutines have been disabled, which makes him Dr. Hyde, I guess? Okay, 13 sentences in, and I'm still on part one, so... The docks have switched, Seven is trapped on the Equinox, and Ransom's crew has just escaped with the tack they need to keep going, leaving Janeway and Voyager to fight off a pissed-off attacking alien force. Season six of Voyager starts with Janeway using a deflector pulse to get those shields back up just in the nick of time, and they start pursuing Ransom. And when Ransom realizes that Voyager is under attack, he orders the crew to keep going. Seven, now in Ransom's hands, refuses to help him repair her own sabotage, so he decides to torture her with help from Dr. Jekyll. So he flips a couple of switches, and we have another Dr. Hyde on our hands. Voyager attempts to make contact with the aliens, who decide not to punch Harry Kim in the face, and maybe we get another chance at first contact, but no, they're still pissed. Janeway really wants to get Ransom, and we see a real peek behind the curtain of her and find her unforgiving of Ransom's turning his back on his principles as a Starfleet captain, and the vendetta is on. Dr. Hyde version 2 and 7 engage in a beautiful yet creepy duet of my darling Clementine as he tortures her, and Ransom moves a step closer to escaping. With two sentences left to go, I can tell I'm not going to make it, so here's the deal. We all know that the Voyager catches up with the Equinox. Ransom and Max both die. Oh yeah, Max kidnaps Bolana. You sure can pick them, BLT. And the Equinox is destroyed by the aliens. But we do get our doctor back, and some of the less evil Equinox people make it aboard Voyager, and we get Janeway once again to remind us of Starfleet principles. Hey, look, I did that in 20 sentences. I mean, did did you? Because those were kind of run on. Yeah. Well. Okay. So this was such. It, it, That's a huge, and that made, I, I feel like that was the longest recap we've ever done. I don't think I could have done this in thirty sentences. You ended my Voyager series with a big fat awesome. I Ha-ha! really loved this story. Well, let's talk about it. I've thoroughly enjoyed this story very much. I thought it was great. That's fantastic. Five out of five grimy fallen off Voyager plaques. Grimy fallen... Okay. Or just Voyager plaques. I've never seen that plaque before, but they sure made a note of it in this one. That that had fallen down and gotten real dirty. Well, every ship has a dedication plaque, mm-hmm. and it's it's on the bridge, and it's usually right there by the turbo lift, so you can see it right at the entrance. And if you look them up, mm-hmm. you will see the names of all of the admirals and captains and the dedication people, like Admiral Roddenberry and Admiral Rick Berman and Admiral Ronald D. Moore and things like that. Like, they put themselves... His names sound vaguely familiar. They're the producers <laughs> of the show. So, yeah, you know, you get to, you get to play. They get their own admiralty? They, uh, when you're the when you're the guys doing the writing, you get to fit your own self into the into the story somewhere, and that's kind of what they did. Mm. So, 
it's basically dedicating the ship, but it's also dedicating the show. So yeah, so perfect. So five and five out and of five, five of them, yeah. Which is the, which is the better component of all that. So you loved this I episode. Did. We hit we hit some fives in Voyager. I've been really surprised. Well, no, see, all of this is for the wrap up. I know this is my last show, but I, I should stick to my overall opinions of Voyager until we do that. So. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll do that. As difficult as that's going to be, because I have been thinking about that. Let's talk about the episode. So we started out. I, I love the beginning of this episode. Where boom, we're in. We're on a brand new ship, right? That we've never seen. There's an attack. There's there's it's a crew. They're definitely Starfleet. Things are crappy. What a great way to pull you in. Yeah. But you tell me what made this a five out of five. After that, this is basically the year of hell, only real. Well, quote fingers real. It actually happened. In, it actually happened in this timeline. Somebody remembers it. And not necessarily us. So everything about this was Jekyll and Hyde, which was great. I, I love those explorations. It, it's, oh, what happens to Janeway in this? Because I know she's she's kind of the meat of this story for me. Is She goes crazy. But within all of this is, I mean, yeah, there's some plot holes. I'm not really sure what why the doctor suddenly comes back and is just like, haha, delete you. I'm good. Nobody knows why that happens. Um, I had a kind of a problem with the blonde chick on the Equinox, uh, Marla Gilmore. Marla Gilmore. Yes. Uh, she's all over the place. I wish I, they could have given her one line, one line, and she would have been great. And all that had to be is her looking anybody from Voyager dead in the eye and just like almost tearfully being like, I want to go home. That's all she would have needed. Like, she's not the captain, but that would be justification enough for her to have gone crazy the way she did. But then her coming back. And speaking of coming back, that's okay, I know I'm talking. I gave this five out of five. It really is good, but I'm going to get all the things that annoyed me right out of the way. This is your pattern. First, okay. you, you, you say, this was fantastic. Now, let me tell you the things I didn't care for. It's it's. It's clear you loved it. It's really clear to me that you loved this episode. So, and we all have we all have little things. Ransom changes his mind too quickly, way too quickly at the end. Like it takes one scene of seven on a beach, and that changes. That makes no sense. To I me. I agree. I thought that Ransom's change of heart at the end. They they obviously the, the man's not going to make it out of the episode alive. He can't because because we're not going to carry him all the way back to the Federation to stand trial. Janeway has mentioned she is not prepared to put anybody in the brig long term. That's not her thing. She's not doing it. Well, and, and the, the people on the, that, that are, you know, I mean, not to jump to the very end, but at the very end, those folks are not in the brig. They, no, you know, the ones that are, they are now members of the crew and we will run into them occasionally. Really? Going Do forward. They so, oh yes. How about that? Voyager has a memory. <laughs> we remember what happened in previous episodes sometimes. Re regardless of what you might hear about that Voyager reset button because how does Janeway deal with that? She it's it, is this torture what she did to him in that one specific instance. She's like I'm not going to torture you. I'm just going to let the alien in and he's going to kill you. That was quite the wow. I know we do this. Here's the problem. It's Voyager, which means it's epicy. 
I told you Voyager was all about the epic, and I, 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 I definitely showed you some of the more epic-y epics, this, of course, being about as mm-hmm. big as... I mean, this felt, again, like a movie to me. It totally felt like a movie. It was paced like a movie. I looked at the special effects. There was just something about them that was next level. It didn't look like your normal episode. Yeah. It looked yeah. ramped up. It looked like they had extra budget. Uh, and they certainly had extra budget for guest stars because they filled the screen with with lots of faces we knew, you know? I mean, there's a there's a future Cylon sure. and a guy from... I, I, I recognize I, I, him. Ransom has been in everything. Sure. Titus Welliver is on, uh, you know, he's doing Bosch now. They really spent some... They made this one big. It was a big epic. I don't remember why I was saying that, but I was saying it. They spent time in the writing, too, because this was not... Like I was saying, like, Janeway, yes. And this is... She is best when she encounters this captain to captain thing. And I think Voyager does a really good job on the same level of when the doctor being evil doctor, everything was Jekyll and Hyde. Everything was opposite of itself. In my notes, I wrote Dr. Jekyll meets Dr. Hyde. Yeah. Yep. And, and and loved it because and it was so, it's such a beautiful little surprise when he says oh they deleted my ethical subroutines and then just takes the the emitter it's like suddenly you get oh there this is all that separates is that all that separates him or is there more to him I would like to think that there is more to him and I think that that was acknowledged in the end with him and seven that scene, which I thought was really great because you could see Connected, seven of nine yeah. is going to be okay with the way she's very clinical, very clinical, not engaged with her emotions from what I can tell just from my short watches. But even her saying, well, maybe you should put in some security. Thank you for acknowledging this for all of the fans who are like, seriously, that's all it took was that. But I think what bothered me was the comparison mm-hmm. of the evil doctor that the equinox had and the evil doctor that we ended up with just by deleting the subroutines or the what all of his ethics is that the evil doctor still had a loyalty to his ship like the evil doctor didn't come over and be more evil and ours turned more evil i see what you're talking about so here's how i saw it i don't know if this is any more right than what you just said but here's what i saw was was the the doctor from our ship turning off his subroutines, all it did was meant that he will follow the orders of any superior officer, including Captain Ransom, who is the captain. Can't, suddenly the captain says, do it. And it was, oh, okie dokie. You know, suddenly that, that block was no longer there. Compared to the other one, he, he's over on, on Voyager now, but he's not following mm-hmm. Janeway's orders. He's, he seems more autonomous, actually, than the doctor. You're right. It's very strange that the doctor can be messed with that easily. Our doctor should have so much more layers, I think, of personality. He's actively gone in pursuit. I watched the one where he gets a family and has to deal with that. Yes, yes. So it seems like those layers should have protected him in some way. Like, just because you delete ethics doesn't mean you delete a personality and replace that personality. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, there was something missing with that, but I understand it's that was one little story of a really, really big story, and they weren't telling that one story. But it was a fascinating story. (laughs) 
it's a component of the logic leap that right. that's and it's it's a little bit of a bummer that it's kind of there's a bit of a leap that you got to make. But I would re- I would rather have that leap that I have to make than any more techno babble. Oh my god. You're not thrilled with all the all the all the techno? No, and I don't well see I like I like when they explain stuff. I've said that before, but sometimes they explain stuff and I'm like, "Okay, now you just used a different word for magic." Like, oh, gets I actually wrote <laughs> one line that I wrote was um, turns alien carcasses into super fuel for the ship. Mm-hmm. The scenes in which first the doctor goes over to the ship because it's irradiated and he's, you know, checking out what's going on and finds the carcass and, sure. and, the, and, the, and you know, and so then he's they not going to get more hurt. investigation. Yeah. All of that stuff just comes out to they're taking these aliens and using them as fuel. I actually wrote it because it was so much stuff. So I completely agree with you on that. And in fact, I'm explaining this too long too. Yeah, no, I get that. But this is what bothers me right now, right here, right now. It's like you have a person filming an actor who is pretending to be in the future, who is yet again on Star Trek describing something they're seeing Yes. to their ship. Give the man a goddamn video camera. <laughs> that would have made that scene so much better if all he had to do was walk around and be like, you can see what I'm seeing. I'm wearing a GoPro, for Christ's sake. <laughs> My Google Glass, just put, you know. That was, that was yes, it would, it would have cut out the chit-chat, but you could have had the same discovery. Because that scene is great for discovery. That's when we find out, oh, crap. I mean, there's been something kind of hinky with these guys, but they are way worse than we thought they were. Yeah. They're going around. Massacring life forms. Well, and and they build to it. I, I I liked the build. I liked the idea that Ransom asks Janeway how how many times have you broken the Prime Directive for the safety of your crew. He actually adds that in for the safety of your mm-hmm. crew. Testing the waters there. Yeah, and and sure. uh, my first, I when I got to that, my my immediate reaction was, I wonder what Jane, what what Jessica is going to think of Janeway's answer that she has not broken. The prime directive. She's bent it, but not broken it. Do you agree? No. That, that's like asking somebody how they feel about like a really huge, huge topic. Being like, what's your immediate thoughts on immigration? And you're like, ah, that's so big. Um, okay. Janeway is, from what I've seen, she's a mom, right? Like she's the ultimate... Yes, she's a captain, but she's very motherly. If you replace captain with mom, and obviously there's some arrogance in this, but then she feels like these people who are with her are children. So she will protect them from ever having to make a bad decision. She says, no, stop that. The oven is hot. You don't know that that can burn you. But she gets to play with the oven because she's mom. So I think that I finally get that about her, that she, mm-hmm. she is a captain. So she may say she's never broken this. I don't agree with that, even just with what I've seen. She's, she can call it bent, but she's gone pretty far into broken Prime Directive. But every captain in Starfleet has. They have to. In much the same way as like the Prime Directive has to exist... They have to be able to break it. It's such a judgment call. Yeah. So I think I've actually made peace with that just in recognizing that captains are parents. And that's really arrogant because Chakotay in this story 
is so much better than she is, just as a human being. Mm. But that's Janeway's own crazy, which I really loved delving into her crazy in this episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, she's, there's a lot of crazy that comes in that, the torture scene. Oh my gosh, so much crazy. When she tortures the guy, when she leaves him alone in the uh, in, in the, the room with the alien. See, that, that was awful, and Chakotay calling her out. But I think what was more interesting was, did you hear the line? Okay, so we'll talk about Ransom, I'm sure, in a second. Oh yeah. And the, I had no choice that he gives out as his rational. Did you hear her say the line, you leave me no choice to Chakotay? <gasps> I did not. Yes. And I was like, oh, two sides of the same coin. What? Yeah. Well, the, there, there was just as much righteousness on each side. Really? Okay, you're going to have to defend Ransom then because no. That he was righteous? I'm not saying he was right. Oh, I'm saying okay. he was righteous. I'm saying that he firmly believed in what he was up to, that it was the correct course. And 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 where where the die was really cast was when they escaped and it was a gr- that whole scene where they escaped from Voyager right at the at the end of the first episode. Ransom is told that the aliens are attacking Voyager. And he says, maintain course. He thinks about it and he says, maintain course. And mm-hmm. that's, it's like, there you go. You just, you turn your back knowing that another Federation ship is being attacked. Like, that's the man you have said you're going to be. Well, I think he crossed that line way, way before when he, she was like, join our ship. We'll have to leave your little trash heap behind. And he's like, no, 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 no. My trash heap can use these aliens if we kill them to get home faster. When he asks Janeway, how often have you broken the prime directive? If the answer was more along the line of, you know, we're on our own out here. Right. You got to make some tough calls. He might've shared this technology with her. They might've put it into Voyager had Janeway been amenable to this idea, but she was absolutely righteous about how this was absolutely the worst thing. And he was absolutely righteous about how this was the right thing. No, but here's what gets me is that, He's not about getting home because he could get home without killing anymore. They could have found a solution. It was getting home faster. Right. Immediately. It was getting home when they're still at a, at a, at a, an age to be able to, you know, be with their families and things like that. You know, and for them, they, what would they say? The maximum warp eight. That's way slower. You saw that's, that's, that's Kirk's enterprise speed. So they have actually, I mean, they went through the year of hell. They showed up and they didn't have any fun Neelix potlucks. They've had nothing but crap. Well, they had the right? party planet. They said that there was that one planet sure, that they went to. Sure, there's that one planet. That every first contact is an opportunity to throw a party. I can't wait till the Kazon get there. Can't wait till the Borg get there. <laughs> I loved that they talked about species that they met that that we'd never seen or heard of. Um, well, see, and I thought that was weird because if they landed in the caretaker's backyard, just like we did, and they set the course for home, they should have run into the same exact people that we did. But they said they found a wormhole. Which could have put, they said that that was what put them a long way. Now, I don't know how much of their head start was wormhole. Yeah. And I don't know how much of their head start was this technology. But they said they needed 63 more of these aliens to get home. 
And I know that Voyager has a roughly 70, I guess 60 at this point year because cast through them 10 years. You know, I just thought of something that would have been kind of interesting. What if they had made first contact the right way, like Janeway sort of wanted to do before she lost her shit and Chakotay definitely wanted to do is what would it have been like if they had discovered this and said, Hey, basically would you donate your bodies to science after they've already passed away? That would have been really <sighs> interesting. I mean, just a super random thought because I know they're sure some cultures, but that would have been like just on the line. Like what if they were grave robbing instead of mass murdering? Anyway, it doesn't matter they were mass murdering, but well, I, but, but it doesn't sound like they ever actually attempted the, the, the equinox ransom. They didn't even all. bother trying didn't actually attempt to try to make first contact. They, they tried to figure out what these things were, but after they killed it and discovered that they could harness it, they were just, that was it for them. Suddenly it was, how do we get more of these? That, I mean, that, that's what I assume was right. how it went was, all right, what do we have to do? Well, we drop our shields, they show up, we kill a few of them, we put our shields back up we shoot farther away i don't know these aliens were kind of interesting like why keep going back right it's a little like mouse and cheese but there's no cheese why are the mice here they don't seem to do any i mean they come they attack event they do whatever damage they do and they die if you're on the other side of that hole at what point do you say yeah, i don't think i'm going to be the one to go in there right <laughs> like, <laughs> i got i got nothing for that one uh, you said there was going to be singing in this one. My Darling Clementine, yes. Super creepy. Told ya. I don't know why, when everything creepy has to happen, it's either a little girl with an English accent or, like, a guy with, we can pretend, a serial killer guy who likes to sing little kid songs. Nothing good is going to happen when a guy is sitting there with a, let's pretend it was a knife, but I don't know what he had in his hand because he's a doctor in the future. Um, yeah, no, nothing good is going to happen. Yep. When that starts singing. Oh, and what a weird, like, forcing her to sing. Oh, it was, it was a very effectively creepy. I did not like it. I don't remember which of our episodes was the one where you talked about singing. I had just finished my Voyager list, like completed it. And I'd watched every episode and I just watched Equinox, like, mm -hmm. like a few months ago. And I saw that and then you started talking about singing and I said, oh, yeah. She's going to love this scene. <laughs> I love the way that they put it into the story and added to the horror of what was going on there. They really, I mean, did they not make you sympathize with, with Seven? I think the less Seven of Nine shows humanity, the more amazing it is when she does show emotions. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the way that like anybody, like Thomas Eugene Paris could start crying at any moment and nobody would be like, Everybody'd be like, oh, that's just Paris. Yeah. But if Seven of Nine dropped one tiny tear, everybody would be like, oh, what is happening? You and his mother may be the only two people in the entire universe that call him Thomas Eugene Paris. It was in Caretaker. It was the very first thing and the very first time that you brought him up. You used his full name and you have never stopped. It's hysterical to me. But I just want to point out, it was even in your, in your like, like I've seen it in synopsises mm -hmm. and all kinds of things. You put it in there. Would you prefer turkey platter? I would. I would prefer turkey platter. All right. We'll call, 
That was kind of fun. Little moments with BLT. I thought it was cute. Finally gave Kim something to do. Give gave something, right? Right. Sorry, Harry. Sorry, Harry. And here's the alien that comes right up to his face, right? Like, if, if anyone is just going to get punched in the face by this <laughs> alien, it's going to be Harry Kim, right? Oh, that poor man. I think Harry was, he was, Garrett Wang is sitting there stunned. Like, You're like, I assume this is the end of me. Everybody knows you're going to punch me in the face and I'm going to spend the next two acts in sickbay. Ah, the poor victim. No, he was good. What did you think about that? The jealousy thing? I, it was fun to see Paris off his game. I don't know. The whole romance thing. I love her. She's, the more I see Bolana Torres, the more I can see what, what, Mm, what he sees in her. And I totally get why he fights for, for her. Do you know what she sees in him? I think the idea could be, and you'll know how much caveats I put on that, uh, her intensity and her drive needs a break. Yeah. And if there's anything that he is, it's a mental break. He's a freaking parade of vacations. That's what he is. He is the... He's a walking, talking chill pill. Yes, he's... Yes. So, and I can see her needing that. So, like, that is pretty much the only way I can justify and validate that relationship is in my mind, it works in that way. However, there are some super cute scenes between the two of them in that one episode where they're getting poked and prodded by invisible aliens and they're, they're, they can't keep their hands off each other, basically. And it was super cute, actually. I don't remember which one you're talking about. <gasps> I got to look this up now because I did. I watched this one and it was a great episode. You're going to have to tell me which one you're talking about because on the surface, that's not enough information for me. If, if it was the original series, I could tell you the star date. Right. <laughs> uh, scientific method. I'm going to have to go back and watch that. Season four, episode seven, scientific method. So in any case, if you want to see like some cutesy things between the two of those, that one's got some cutesy things where they're actually showing a a lot of romantic interest in each other. They are running all over the place showing romantic interest in each other. It's super cute. But she's got a type. She likes the smarmy. She does. He is like that too. I saw she has a type. Two does not make a type. Two is not a pattern yet. Well, two, two is all I've seen. Fair enough. At least lately. There might have been more during the show at some point, but these are the two that we know about. Right. We know she's not into Vulcans. Well, she's not into that Vulcan, but he was a little bit much. Um, let's be honest. I have two more things. Do you want to talk about Janeway or Ransom? Or Janeway and Ransom? Because I only have that kind of left in my notes. Well, okay. So the, the before you get to those two, because that's going to be like the big, the big thing. Mm-hmm. Couple, a couple of things I want to bring up that are new to you. Okay. That you maybe have seen for your first time. Ooh. Naomi Wildman, the captain's assistant, the little girl that comes in and introduces herself to the, to the crew or to a couple of the crew members of the Equinox. Yeah. Was this the one who was having the baby in season one? Yes. I don't remember hearing ever since the pregnancy and there were a couple episodes with the doctor who's just like, I'm so proud to be treating a pregnancy. Look at me. That's not how he sounds. I'm sorry. It was one of those things that your trek just didn't didn't mesh with was you didn't see any of that story, but that baby gets had. There's actually a great episode where the mom is trapped on a planet and she may not be able to come back and what are we going to do with her? And the whole crew kind of adopts her. Uh, and then mom comes back anyway because... I don't know why, because they kill. They have no problem killing off 
kids parents on star trek they they do it all the time they like disney like this makes us stronger whatever doesn't kill you kills your parents and that's how it goes you can't be a princess without a dead mom and dad i was wondering if you had any thoughts on naomi you didn't see much of her she's cute yeah or she, no but she's very she's like if you need anything she there are lots of she and seven will develop a friendship oh i want to see that that's wonderful and you will get to see seven in her own way, learn to play. <gasps> That's beautiful. Yes. Because remember, she was 12 years old when she got assimilated. Right. So she never got to have a childhood. At least she had the Borg. Shouldn't have to say that. At least she had the Borg. Well, I mean, if you're looking for friendship-ish, you don't have your own thoughts, but you won't be alone. So there's, it's everything's a compromise. Um, let's see. The only other things that I wanted to mention. Oh, I, I in Ransom's story, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is what you want to talk about with Ransom, but when Ransom's talking about, and maybe we'll just slide right in, when he's talking about um, how they killed this thing and it was already dead and all that, and then they started to explore exploiting animals to use as fuel. Mm-hmm. I was reminded, and I wanted to bring this up because it was a real interesting thematic connection in Discovery, the new, the seventh series, the one we're not going to do on your track. Mm-hmm. There's a very similar theme in which we discover a way to harness a creature to help with a propulsion or with a technology, and it becomes an ethical quandary that they have to deal with is we don't want to, this isn't us. This isn't who we are. When you get to disco, this this ex, this theme, which I think could have been explored a whole lot more, gets that opportunity. But if you think about it, we haven't established how sentient these beings are. No. Are they anything more than like flying ants from another dimension? Or whatever that hole is that they open up? I guess they could be. We don't have a problem eating cows. We don't have a problem eating chickens. And I know that for all of the we replicated meat, they sure do mention a lot that it doesn't taste as good as the real thing. They have said that on every single series that I've watched. Yeah. There's just that little nugget. I don't know if the writers meant to do that, but something to think about. Like, you might be standing on your high horse, but if the truth was that uh, dinosaurs made oil when they were alive, would we go around killing them? Probably. We would have no problem with it. So there's that. That's a bummer. It is a bit of a bummer. Seeing, um, I have a question for you, though. Yeah. Because what I found probably the most fascinating in this episode was Janeway. And I wanted to see what was the reason for her losing her shit so bad. And I had two ideas. Mm-hmm. One was that these guys are going to get so fast back to home and they are going to spread lies and hide what they did. And by the time Janeway gets there, it's going to be 70 years later. And these guys are going to be, have been heroes for an entire generation. And nobody's going to know that they were not heroes, that they were anti-heroes. Or Mm -hmm. is it because she is in her mind has struggled so hard to become this model captain. She has maintained rank and she has fought so hard through this entire journey for her principles. And yeah, she's bent them, 
But in her mind, she's like, I've never broken them. I have fought so hard not to do this to protect my crew. That seeing the opposite in what she should consider a, a, um, a peer, that you have mocked all of her trials. That this guy getting home, quote fingers the easy way, obviously it wasn't easy. Which... Those were the two that I could find, but if you've got a different idea, I'm open. I would lean toward this, your second explanation more than your first. Yes, okay. I did think about what would happen if they went home first. First of all, what would happen? And then what happens when Janeway gets home and is like, right. you want to know what these guys have been doing? You know, if somebody else hasn't figured it out by then. So they would have to face the music potentially anyway. But no, here's what I think it is. And I wrote down this quote. It was interesting. When Janeway is, is talking with Ransom in her, in her office, in her, in her ready room, one of the things she says to him is, it's never easy, but if we turn our back on our principles, we stop being human. Which meant for her, what makes her human is adhering to the principles. Which means these guys have ceased to be human. Yeah. Yeah. In her mind, they turn their back on humanity and they turn their back on their oath by violating their principles. Right. She's worked her butt off to maintain those principles, to bend but not break the prime directive. Right. She pushes right to the edge and we give her, and you've said it, we give her, two, we give her choice between horrible and really horrible. Yep. <laughs> and we'll see how anybody likes her when it's all done. Right. Half the people love it and half the people hate it. But she's almost always guided by or returns to her principles, which involve the principles of the Federation, which involves her interpretation of the prime directive. Sure. He said without trying to figure out what the hell that might mean anymore because mm -hmm. it's 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 a code of ethics it's just a, a way of operating it's her code and she, i think she thought it was the code of the captain and i think that she just it, 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 and she lost her she lost her shit <laughs> at the very end there's that really nice scene between her and chakotay and i hope there is another episode following this where he shows that he can't trust her judgment on anything. Like, I really hope there's some follow-up to this episode of hurt yeah. and betrayal. Chakotay was absolutely right, and he did not mutiny the way the other guy did. Like, everything in this was a mirror. I honestly thought, okay, Chakotay really needs to go to Tuvok because she threatens Tuvok, too. She's just like, I just put him away. Do you want me to do that to you, too? And Tuvok's just like, no, no, like... Essentially, he doesn't actually say that because Tuvok would never say that. But it would have been completely justified in my mind if Chakotay and Tuvok had done the same exact thing as the other ship and completely mutinied and been like, no, we're done. Janeway, you've gone way too far. I think the idea of throwing a mutiny on the Voyager side of things would have really thrown monkey wrenches in. Oh, my God. But it would have made sense. What doesn't make sense is Chakotay coming back her not even apologizing. There's sort of a like exchange between them, kind of like, do you know that scene in Firefly when uh, Zoe is standing in front of Captain Mal and they're talking about the ship and she says, she's tore up plenty, sir, but she'll fly true. And you know in that moment they're not talking about the ship. They're talking about her. This is the plaque. This is Janeway. It's all messed up, and she's laying on the floor. She's like, well, that's never happened. And Chakotay's like, let's put it back up. 
Let's make it right again. Yeah. I liked that moment. I like that moment especially a lot with the, just the metaphor. You could read into it. Yeah, Voyager's all tore up, but that plaque, that plaque's Janeway. Let's talk a little track. Do you have an agenda for talking track? I want to talk one thing. What would you like to talk for one thing? Because we talked a lot of track in the episode. We bit. did talk a lot of track in the episode. We'll Which is cool. But this was weird. You gave me a recommendation, which I went back and watched. Yeah. So I want to talk about Faces. Ooh, how did you like it? I loved it. Isn't it great? I loved it. Um, yes, it, it did definitely remind me of The Enemy Within from the original series. Mm. So, you know, Kirk gets split in two and you get, you know, cool, cool, but, but weak Kirk and you get like nasty, but pretty strong Kirk and you gotta they gotta learn to deal with each other and to see Bolana have to deal with that and to the way that they introduced first the Klingon half and we got to understand the Klingon and you didn't even know that there was a that Bolana was the the human Bolana was there as well it was mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. loved that that component uh, and then seeing her and how scared she was like a real human <laughs> Like a real human being, Like not right? superhuman, just regular, got to deal with being scared human. Right. But in mean, in the meantime, when it came to being rational... Not the Klingon strong suit. All the rationality is over there. And I loved how the two of them had this argument about having to work together that felt very much like the argument that's going on in their head that we can't ever hear. Right. Yes. So so it was really cool to see them kind of articulate what's probably going on inside of that character all the time. Really cool. Yes, I totally agreed. What I really liked, too, was that both sides had a problem with the other. It wasn't just the Klingon having a problem with the human, and it certainly wasn't just the human having a problem with the Klingon. What we usually see with Belana is she's like, oh, my Klingon side makes me do crazy things. That's all we hear. We don't ever get the other side where the Klingon is just like, oh, my human makes me do stupid, weak things. And it was nice to see that both of them had very rational reasons for disliking being together. And of course, it was beautiful to see that put back together the way it's supposed to be because they can't live without each other. Yep. That was all. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I just thank you for the recommendation because oh, it's, it's weird to go back and watch one that touched you and mm-hmm. and I, I obviously remembered it but um it was great to go back and see it thank you yeah i can see how if i did this to somebody else my line would be completely different than yours like i can see that it's kind of fun I'm sure yeah every everybody's would be the stuff you would recommend to your friend is completely based on you and your friend a little bit but mostly you <laughs> In next week's official supplemental, which we're calling, what are we calling it? The the convention spectacular. Da 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 the convention. The convention spectacular. There you go. Yes. So so um, whatever the heck we get at the convention, it might just be Jessica and I walking around with a microphone talking to each other. We don't know, but if anyone talks to us and it's even that'll be awesome. It will be with something will work. We have a, we have. There's no way somebody that I don't get. I will use all of my charm as much as that might be to get at least one person to tell me and guaranteed somebody will talk to me about how they started Trek. Oh, yeah. Because, and you know what would be super fun is to find maybe even some of the actors or people who are involved with Star Trek and be like, okay, tell me about your introduction to Star Trek. Because mine has been very formulaic. 
<laughs> so so and, and what's weird is we're actually recording this before we go to the convention. Oh, after it's already done. Yeah. So what's funny is you're all like, well, you already did the convention. Well, you're going to hear a lot of that next week. So whatever we got, whatever we're going to get, which by the time you hear this will be what we got. Timey-wimey. <laughs> it just got timey-wimey in here. Do you want to give any thoughts about ending your Voyager run? Uh, sure. I can give some of my thoughts here. I think my biggest thought is that, and this partially may be due to the way I've watched Star Trek, is I, I haven't seen it in order, obviously. But this has been the most uneven series mm. that I think I've watched. And... Uh, it's still interesting, and I like the return to... I know some other people aren't going to like this. DS9 has some really big themes, and it carries them out, you know, over long, long arcs. That was the entire point. This isn't that. And if you try to make this that, it doesn't work. So if in your brain... However, there is... It's the same thing of the, the reset buttons, and you forget what happened last week, and Chakotay isn't going to be resentful, and Janeway's going to be fine, and it's just like, ah, somebody remember something. Like, somebody have a problem with something. Um, and I think maybe that's why Bilana hit me so hard, is because she actually seems to follow a real progression. If you watch just those episodes from uh, Extreme Risk that we talked about, yeah, she definitely follows. But from week to week, it's, it's very... It seem, week to week binging in an in an order it's it's pretty inconsistent um but that doesn't make the stories any less great i really loved some of the returns to these just weird weird aliens that do weird things some of them are really dumb you'll notice i called right. them trash monsters hey i called the chaotica the the photonic life forms i started calling them photo guys cuz i didn't know what else to call them right so and I, I I enjoy that thoroughly. This one gives a lot more scope for let's just bring out the weird because anything could there's a whole new quadrant that they don't have to stick to any rules. Yeah, this felt to me to me the most like the original series of any of the new generation treks. Right. It was it was a very powerful captain who was in charge and saying no, this is how we're going to do things. So Janeway and Kirk. See, there's there's some similarities. Yeah, there's a lot of personality. You know, they they may be up mm -hmm. to slightly different things, but there's some personality stuff going on there that's very in line with each other. I saw a lot of Kirk in this episode when Janeway is willing to go too far because somebody else has gone too far. That seemed very Kirk to me. When you're like, no, no, no we need to have war with these guys because they're warlike. Oh wait a minute, Janeway had that moment in this particular episode. I think. Yeah. When you cross a line because they crossed a line. That's very Kirk. Does that make you justified to cross the same line just because they crossed it? Yeah. Right. The fun stuff. Very Kirk. <laughs> the, the the aliens of the week that come back, we do mm -hmm. have yeah. recurring. You know, you you had the Klingons, you had the Romulans, you had a few you know, a few recurring aliens back then. Well you've got some recurring now. The Borg time the Borg stuff will start to ramp up nearer the end um, as we work our way towards the finale of Voyager, which I will <laughs> not spoil in any way. Oh, they're going home. How do they not end up at home? When they make it to the Zeta quadrant, which is like a party quadrant 
on the other side of the tracks. Ooh, I don't know. Exciting. It's somewhere else. You find out they've been dead the whole time. God damn it. Lost. Ugh. <laughs> right. There was no caretaker. It was all a test. <sighs> Spoiler alerts. Um. <laughs> oh, but hey, I don't have to give my anything for next week. That's I, so. I was thinking that too. Yeah, we should. We'll, next we'll week get is to all... next week here because I. This was a weird finish with. Well, it fits with Voyager. <laughs> it kind of, kind well, a little bit. At least it, it fits with Voyager now. I mean, Voy- Listen, there is a resolution to the. There, the, there is a. There is a finale, in which um, you know lots of lots of cool things happen. It's an epic. It's about as epic as the rest of the epics. But between that one and now i mean there's other epics there's there's i think a dozen two-parters most of which feel like movies to me wow we saw i think four of them Mm -hmm. um caretaker i think is the one that feels least like a movie and i think they were just learning what they were doing back then (laughs) because Um, non-pilot pilots just a lot of fantastic i didn't even prepare a list that's fine. You already know. Tinker Tenor, Dr. Spy. All right, let me give you a couple. Let me give you a couple. Because just off the top of my head, that I, I'm, I'm going to do these just because these are ones that when I was first looking at your trek, I said to myself, what about this one? What about this one? What about this one? And a couple of these came up and I just said, oh, I can't put it on the track. Barge of the but Dead. Darn it. It's a good one. Barge of the Dead. Perfect. Yeah, that's that's definitely one. Another Bellana Torres episode. This is a uh, third episode mm-hmm. of the sixth season. And in Barge of the Dead, we will meet, I believe we meet Bellana Torres' mother uh, in some strange way. A mythical Klingon death barge of dishonored souls. Sorry, now I'm just reading it. <laughs> have, have you, oh, so you read it? Okay, so you haven't. You no, haven't I haven't watched, watched it. I haven't watched go. past what we've seen. I've been pretty good about that, actually. Gotcha. Uh, the one right after that, the fourth episode of the sixth season, Tinker, Tenor, Doctor, Spy. Doctor episode. That fits very funny. So correctly, just that name of that. It's great. So he creates a subroutine to have daydreams. So the doctor begins to daydream, and then. Some alien out there that uses communication technology to try and spy on other people to determine if they want to attack taps into Voyager, but they accidentally tap into his daydreams. Wow. And they think that his daydreams are what is really happening on Voyager. And so when he actually meets Voyager, it turns out to be a surprise. And I'm telling you way too much, but it's fun and goofy and ridiculous. So I'm like literally just trying to remember a few of the ones. Virtuoso. Virtuoso, another great doctor episode in which the doctor has taken up opera by the way (laughs) robert picardo not a bad singer uh jerry ryan phenomenal singer yes but virtuoso is not about jerry ryan singing it is about the doctor singing is there one about her singing do we get seven of nine being an opera singer probably not uh, because i feel like that would probably be pretty well deserved she seems pretty so virtuoso we find a planet where um, art forms, they have very different look at art form and they've never heard music before. And instantly uh, the doctor becomes a rock star. Nice. So 
there you go. There's three, three fun ones to kind of to kind of keep going. Now we're, we're well into the sixth season. You could at this point just as easy um, keep binging to the end. You could go back. You could watch the Kess years. Oh, I've gone back and watched quite a lot. But now, now much like DS Nine, I have an entire thing to watch, and now I want to watch it in order. This completes the Voyager portion of your trek. Indeed. And I'm sure it does not complete your Voyager watching. We are going to be moving on to your sixth and final series of your trek, which is Enterprise. And that will be coming up in two weeks. But next week we will be, as I've already talked about, we will be doing our convention spectacular. Mostly it's going to be stuff from the convention. Convention. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the week after that, for those of you that wish to skip ahead, we will be getting into Enterprise. So um, Enterprise begins with uh, an episode called Broken Bow. Okay. Broken Bow. Parts one and two. Oh, okay. Of course. So that's season one, episode one. And two. However they however they number it on your streaming service or DVD, whatever they are. We're going to be watching both parts of it. And we are done with the Federation. You mean we haven't even started with the Federation? Yep. Yes, you're correct. We are, we are going back in time now to before Captain Kirk. We are going back to before we had ever met any of the aliens out there except for maybe just one or two have you seen first contact yet no i gotta spoil it for you now <gasps> do you really yeah i gotta tell you who who our first alien encounter is is it the borg it's not the well i mean technically the ones that we know the first ones that human beings believe was our first contact mm. and that was with the vulcans okay so we actually see a Vulcan at the end of First Contact. One lands after they see the, the that we have uh, a warp-capable ship for our first time. They see it, and they stop by, and they introduce themselves as we are now becoming a part of a bigger neighborhood. Cool. You know, you got to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. So the Federation doesn't exist yet. The Prime Directive doesn't exist yet. We have no code of ethics except what we take out there and learn on our own. We have no idea who's out there and we will be meeting some brand new brand new species, ones that you've seen before and ones that you haven't. And it never occurs to us to just go to the Vulcans and be like, hey, what do you suggest we do? We're just like, no, we're going to fly this thing wherever it'll go and see what happens. Well, I'm going to let you find out all about our relationship with the Vulcans and all right. You could find that out on your own as you watch Broken Week Bow. after next, episode 46. That's when that'll start. Week after next. Do you have a tweet date set up for that yet? Yes. Okay. So this feels like it's way in the future, but it's actually just like the Sunday after next. Um, I will be tweeting this out August 19th. That's a Sunday, 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Boom. At Begin the Trek, if you want to follow there. Obviously, Facebook at Beginning the Trek, uh, beginningthetrek.com, if you want to check that out. And if you'd like to send us messages, info at beginningthetrek.com is an email address that'll go to both of us. So we'd love to hear your comments and stuff. And yeah, that's all we got. That's what we got. Well, congratulations. You have completed your fifth of fifth of sixth series. (laughs) Just to be seventh of ninth about it. On your Star Trek (laughs) Trek. Just to be seventh of ninth. I'm, I'm fifth seventh, of sixth. Seventh. You're fifth of sixth of, of journey. Tra- oh, 
dear Lord. <laughs> so um, we're going to take a week. We are going to take a week off to go to the convention. Right. This is though it's already happened. Even though by the time that y'all hear this, we will have gone to the convention. And then we will catch up with you all on... The 22nd. That's when this comes out. Or not this one. That's when the next one will come out. That's the 22nd. Yes. So I'm sure everybody is waiting, just desperately like holding on for my first opinions about this new series. I'm dying to know what you absorb from people while you're there, because I see no way for you to make it through five days of the convention without being tainted by people's opinions. Oh. You're going to be immersed. Hmm. Is that going to help or hurt this? We'll see. The episodes that I've selected, I think are awesome episodes and well worth watching each and every one of them. I don't think you're going to, to, to find a lull anywhere in this. Well, heck yeah. I like that. Let's do that. Done. All right, cool. I'll see you at the convention. <laughs> <laughs> Are we good? I, think. I don't know. You want to talk about Ransom? You mentioned Ransom. Oh, nah. Nah. We covered it. We good with Ransom? Uh, oh, no. I mean, there, there was that whole thing. Nope, that was still about Janeway. <laughs> Who cares about Ransom? Who cares about Ransom? He died. I mean, he died. He had to. Oh,